and we're live. Welcome back, guys. This is another episode of the Solvable Mysteries podcast. I believe this is episode number 90. So another small milestone for the podcast. My name is Juras, and I'm joined by Glenn Highcove. Um, how are you feeling, man? Hey, I'm doing all right. I was going to say if 10 more episodes. Uh, it's like a little bit of a joke, but in television, the old rule was if you hit like 100 episodes, you went into syndication. And that was like extra money because then oh. you were like you were like Gilligan's Island, where you kept getting uh, <laughs> getting shown again and again. Wow. So, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I'm doing awesome. I got to go to the beach for the first time this year, and we went in the water, and it was like uh, it was cold. <laughs> yeah, I think so, dude, because we, we had like a snowstorm uh, and actually they're still reporting a lot of snow in the upcoming week, which is, you know, fantastic. Uh, but I think we can definitely jump to this week's uh, case. So this week we're going to be talking about a very interesting mystery. It's a complete disappearance. Um, it's like, it's, I would say, you know, it's a type of a disappearance um, that you could like match with, I don't know, uh, Brian Schaefer-ish, uh, maybe Asha Degree as well, uh, because um, we have a 14-year-old uh, boy from England, from the city of Doncaster. Well, he lived in the suburb of Doncaster uh, in Balby, who you know just decided to go on a trip to london all of a sudden and this trip was completely out of the out of the ordinary for um andrew gosden uh is the boy that we are referring to and he never goes back and i i can't wait to get into all of this um before we do dude uh, anything you want to add uh, to the you know uh, any any disclaimers or anything like that before we jump right into i guess what happened no, I mean, just, you know, we've had so many good comments lately and a lot of good feedback. I think I'm trying to think if this was possibly one of the suggestions we got from um, one of our, our fans. Uh, but, you know, just just a reminder, you know, of course, subscribe, hit like if you like this episode. And please do continue to make recommendations for what you'd like to hear about, because I, as you might notice, um, we always... And I'm by you, I mean, obviously, our, our viewers and listeners, we always do go through the comments and add in the names that you suggest. So, um, you know, you help us make the show better. Exactly. Um, OK, so um, given that, <clears throat> I think we definitely should uh, start off with, uh, I guess, the background of Andrew Gosden. And I guess after that, we can definitely jump to the day when he disappeared, which was in 2007 uh, on the 14th of September. So this is actually as of today, this is uh, 13 years, six months and 19 days that Andrew's Andrew has went missing. I would say it's a pretty big disappearance case in the UK, especially they had uh, famous bands. Uh, because Andrew was a fan of music, uh, trying to help out the family locate Andrew and so on. So I think it's a good uh, I think it's a good time for us to start talking a little bit about Andrew 
And, you know, Andrew was not a typical kid. Andrew was apparently a very smart kid. Uh, academically, like, he was in the top 5%. And I, apparently he was really good at math. So, you know, he was a really smart kid. He grew up in Balby. Um, he had a sister, Charlotte. And he was living with his parents, Kevin Gosden and Glennis uh, Gosden. So... Uh, right off the bat, the first thing about their family structure that really uh, was interesting for, for me personally is the fact that the parents, they were really religious, but I would say probably in the best way possible to be religious where you don't, uh, you know, force your religion upon your kids because, you know, uh, here where I'm from, you know, uh, everyone's following a you know a certain religion and they all get uh, baptized like they baptize their kids when they're like I think I don't know at the age of one or two and and the kids not doesn't really understand what's happening usually it ends up with the kid crying because like some um, scary priest guy is pouring like cold water on his uh, on the kid's forehead so it's probably like a traumatic event for the kid uh, but uh, Andrew's parents they were like even though we are like Anglicans, like, um, you know, really uh, devout Anglicans, we're not gonna enforce our religion on the kids and we will let them decide if they want to get baptized. So any any initial thoughts on your end regarding that? I'm curious, what's the predominant religion where you live? Uh, where we live, I think it's the Roman Catholics. Like everyone's a Roman Catholic, if you know what I mean. Like it's the okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. like like Poland, yeah, and things like that. That makes sense. But then in some of the neighboring countries, it would be like what Eastern Orthodox. Uh, yeah. So basically, Russia and Belarus, I think they're definitely the Orthodox. Uh, and then to the north of us, Latvia, Estonia, they are the more of a Protestants. You know what I mean? I think uh, Lithuania is actually the the most northern eastern roman catholic state in europe pretty much you know because we're oh, like wow. we're like the the border for the roman catholics okay no, that makes sense yeah so what do you make of uh you know the parents i, I think i personally yeah. think the parents are really cool for doing that you know what i mean yeah that was the sense i got when i listened to some of the research on the episode was in, including an interview with uh andrew's father was they seemed um, fairly, I guess, open-minded. Like you said, they were not um, not orthodox. I don't mean orthodox, like in the you know, like the official religion, but in terms of like, like you said, whether you were going to force your family members to adhere to it or not. And I think it was to the point where I think the sister, his sister, was it Charlotte? Yeah. Is that her name? Yeah. Was already kind of making the choice to. Maybe not go to church or, or not not really practice anymore. Exactly. So that was yeah. And you know, uh, Andrew was following in her footsteps because uh, Charlotte was her his older sister, and you know he was doing the same. He, actually, eight months before he disappeared, he had stopped going to church completely, and you know this was one of the you know maybe factors in this case that. Uh, caused a lot of uh, suspicion for internet web sleuth because they're they're like 
hmm, could this be somehow connected? Personally, I don't think so. At the age of 14, if I had the choice to not go to church, because back in the day, I, I was still like sort of attending the church sometimes because, you know, but right around that, that age, I think I also stopped like going to church because I was like, I don't know, I don't really feel like doing that anymore. So it's it was it was a pretty, I think, a normal decision on, on the parents' part. Um, so a few other interesting points about uh, Andrew is that Andrew apparently was a fan of music and for a 14-year-old boy, he liked interesting uh, bands such as Slip, Slipknot, right? And, 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 and other heavy metal bands. So, you know, that's, that's definitely, I think, the... Uh, the minor he was in the minority wouldn't you agree yeah i always I, I have like i said maybe this is a generational thing because i always remember like i said i'm really trying to make sure i, I say things in a, in a fair way um because everybody's got their musical tastes and like i i mean i would call it heavy metal music or something that's like in that same vein and i think i think the slipknot in the the name of the band refers to like the the not on a noose yeah so it's it's kind of dark yeah i mean it's interesting because i my my impression of that kind of music because uh, by the way like given his religious background you could see how like some people from that background would just tell their kid like oh no you can't listen to that right because they would they would have maybe notions that it was like satanic music or that music it was music about evil things or dark things and i don't know i mean i think it's more complicated than that like i think sometimes especially for teenagers or young people the stuff that's being expressed in those songs is like very strong emotional content so yeah. it tends to attract kids that maybe are going through some stuff in their life. It's always interesting because it never was my kind of music. Like there's definitely some good heavy metal songs. Like, um, you know, I've, I've ever got there. Like you ever heard that song Un Unforgiven by Metallica? Nah, I, I don't think I'm familiar with a lot of heavy uh, metal, unfortunately. That, I mean, I, I would say even, even people that are not into heavy metal, like that's a good one where like, that's like a song. It's got like some really, mm. Point, poignant stuff but that's, that's, I think that's one of the first things I perked up at when I looked at this it's interesting because we haven't really run into this that much surprisingly before for all the content that we've covered but it already it makes me interested because from a kid coming from that religious background you could see some kids would just do that to rebel exactly right? like oh you know mom and dad are about Jesus so I'm going to be about this stuff but I, I think it was a little more complicated than that and it makes you wonder given that we're going to find out he's not really that expressive a kid. It's kind of a strong, it's a strong statement in a way, you know what I mean? Especially he's wearing the shirts and stuff. Yes, it's not yes. like he's just, you know, like, like when I was listening to like NWA and stuff, public enemy, when yeah. I was like in the nineties, I, I wasn't wearing the shirts or exactly, their hats or anything, exactly. you know what I mean? But yeah. this kid's out there with like the shirts of all these like bands, you know, so, I don't know. So that, that was like, that's a good point. Interesting. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like it's like a lifestyle choice. And I remember, like, by the way, I'll just say that the other the other half of my 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 statement, I guess, is that the kids that I remember wearing it. I mean, a lot of them were going through. I feel like some difficult stuff in their life. Oh, okay. At that point, like I I only remember I hate to say it, one or two of them even being kind of normal, and <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, like the the wasn't which isn't to put them down for sure. They were like in many cases, smart, creative, talented kids, yeah. but like stuff was going on. 
So that's, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Make 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 of that what you will. I, I definitely agree with with what you're saying here uh, because I feel like wearing the shirt is an actual statement. Like I, you know, I like certain uh, music types, but I don't, you know, own like any you know, uh, fan stuff like shirts and things like that. So, uh, but maybe I think kids are more inclined to own uh, those things in the first place. And, you know, I, I, I don't think it's like super weird, to be honest. Uh, now, uh, moving forward in the story, um, he was also a, he was at, you know, just around the time when he disappeared, like um, he also was attending Cub Scouts, uh, he was like a cub scout. He was doing, uh, you know, scouting activities as a kid, but he had told his father that he would no longer involve himself with the cub scout group a few months before his disappearance. So let's let. Uh, he, I think uh, it actually correlates a little bit with what you're saying because you know he stopped going to church eight months before he disappeared, which is I think normal. Uh, stopped doing cub scouts two months before he disappeared. And I think this is a good point to jump to another thing uh, that, you know, as I've said, uh, by the way, uh, for everyone who's watching this on our YouTube channel, we are just on uh, Doncaster right now. So this is like the city where he grew up. I think it's like a super English city. I really like it, actually. Um, uh, basically, uh, as I've said, he disappeared on the 14th of September. So, you know, just as the school year had began and, I've, and as I've entailed earlier, like his whole idea was to just go to London and for some reason you know just take take a train to london now we're gonna try to figure out why he did that but beforehand uh i want to mention one very important fact that andrew was actually familiar with london right like he had his grandmother living in london and he has been there on multiple occasions and kevin gosden andrew's father had stated that he believes that uh, Andrew had uh, very, not necessarily very good knowledge, but definitely uh, had good enough knowledge to handle himself in London. Uh, apparently, he knew how the bus system worked. I believe the metro system worked in London. And he also had a, you know, general, I would say, uh, understanding of the city, right? I mean, that's what I've gathered. I think you should have this information as well, right? Yeah, that was that came up in a couple of the different things I listened to, including the interview with his father, where they had multiple relatives in London. They had taken trips as a family on public transportation to get there. So, like, they were very familiar with the ropes. And then, you know, he's at an age where he's, you know, like old enough to to have confidence in that and, and just literally do it himself as, as we'll find out. Yeah. He definitely was able to do it himself, but yeah, it was like, it was, it was kind of like, <laughs> like if, if you lived in the outskirts of like New York city or someplace, you know, not that far from New York city and you had all these family and then you were going all the time for trips there. It's almost like a second home to him and, and some, some small ways. Exactly. Uh, by the way, one other thing I think it's very important to mention here, I only found it, this mentioned in, I think, a few areas, in a few sources. Maybe it's something that the family said, so I think it holds value. I think uh, there's a notion out there that since um, 
Andrew was really smart, like academically, he was really good. He had like a 100% attendance record at his uh, Macaulay Catholic High School. He was also, you know, really good at, he was getting really good grades, but I think where he was lacking was in his street smarts, if you know what I mean. Like he was... Uh, academically very smart i got the sense that maybe he has been a little bit sheltered throughout his life and he may not be super street smart you know what i mean in a sense that for him being 14 in in london which is dude it's an intimidating city for everyone trust me i think even for you dude like i know you grew up in in los angeles and california but dude if you would go to london that would be intimidating for you as well for like for the first time like you know i've been there like once it's uh dude it's a pretty i don't know it's it's definitely an experience when you've never been there before so i think for a 14 year old kid you know i think wouldn't you say like there's some high chances that things could go wrong uh you know yeah it's almost like i mean i don't want to say he has it too good but he has it like maybe on the gentler side yeah. of british society where yeah i mean i i know this even just from talking to some of my my co-workers in different projects where they talk about growing up in some of the other parts of england you know where i just yeah i i see exactly what you're saying that he may have not been exposed to the kind of violence and other behavior that is more common maybe outside of the suburbs that he lives in exactly and i guess um you know, the family also described him as being a homebird, so this is why this trip is super um, uncharacteristic for Andrew Gosden, is the fact that he would always stay at home. Uh, now, he did have friends, it was not like he was a loner, he actually had, from what I've gathered, a pretty cool group of friends uh, who were, you know, like-minded individuals, I think they were all academically very good, also, um, Andrew was in the Young, Gifted, and Talented program, uh, which is basically just a program that uh, England has for, uh, I guess, kids that are really in the top, like, 5% at a certain, I guess, uh, I don't know, like, math or, 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 or English or whatever, you know what I mean, so... Um, yeah, I, I, would, yeah. I, I perked up at that because this, so this aligns with um, some of my own experiences in the magnet program. That's that's what we call it, at least in my part of the United States, is the magnet program. So yeah. for kids that are um, either have high IQs or are quote unquote high achievers, um, it's funny because his dad was saying that he couldn't, you know, that, that his his son, you know, the Andrew was much, was much smarter than he was, and he couldn't he couldn't figure out where it came from. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, I, I, I didn't hear that quote, but it's pretty interesting. Uh, okay, so before we jump to the story, because I think it's just about time for us to jump in the story, uh, one last thing to mention here is that Andrew was actually 14, but he seemed a lot younger. He was uh, 5 foot 3 uh, inches, which is 160 centimeters. Uh, so I've heard like quotes uh, being thrown out there that he was maybe... Um, he, he may have been 14, but uh, if you would ask anyone, uh, they would probably be more inclined to guess that he's around 12, if you know what I mean. So apparently Andrew looked a little bit younger for his age, 
and um, that's also a key factor in my opinion so okay so let's jump to, to what had happened okay so um, this is all happening in September of for September 14th 2007 so you know just a week or maybe like let's say uh, a week and a half into the new school year uh, one uh, other interesting point uh, regarding the summer so he spent his summer vacation at home pretty much just you know uh, reading books because he was into reading books and playing uh, video games I believe he I don't know if he had like a video game console but he had a PSP which is a portable PlayStation it's that little um, little uh, portable um, like a gaming console it, I, I used to really want one when I was a kid, but I never had it. So I definitely know uh, that if I had it, I'd be on it like all day back in the day, if you know what I mean. So uh, let's... Uh, right, so what I was uh, gonna say is that uh, during summer, the parents actually offered um, Andrew to go visit uh, his grandmother in London uh alone right because let's remember that he's growing up in doncaster like in the air like in the city of doncaster uh and uh, you know london just as the crows fly quick little estimation here it's 225 kilometers okay so that's um i just want to quickly get the mile quote as well just for our you know american audience so the mile quote would be 144 miles so you know it's a pretty big trip for a 14 year old kid to go alone uh like you know to spend the summer with his grandmother but he uh decided not to do that he was you know gonna just do his regular activities reading books playing video games um you know just doing what he does best now the new school year starts and immediately i want to ask you a question because apparently uh you know andrew gosden was from the suburb of doncaster called balby now i don't have the exact house location unfortunately or the school that he went to to be honest but apparently the trip one-way trip is like apparently around i don't want to like put out any bad information but i've read somewhere that it was around six kilometers so you know it's natural for a kid uh to take a school bus now he was taking the school bus from his home to his uh school but he all of a sudden decided to go back on foot like every time and he would never do this before in his life but now one week before he disappeared he's already not driving back from school to home via the bus but he's walking like a super long distance every week like every day i mean so does like what's happening here do you think this could have some sort of a connection to the overall uh, disappearance yeah it's definitely weird i mean it's I'll have to look up what that is, but I feel like that's about what a three or four mile walk. That's right. I mean, probably a not, little less, maybe two or something like that. I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's not crazy, but it, it just it seems a little odd. I mean, it doesn't like seem like the kid was super athletic, like he was, you know, <laughs> trying to get in shape or something. Right. So yeah. And every day, by the way. So I mean, I think we'll throw it back a little bit later on in the show to this. Um, 
One other interesting point is, uh, you know, uh, since this is all happening on September 14th, um, you know, on September 13th, so the day before he disappeared, he woke up uh, normally. He was apparently a really, uh, you know, like a really punctual uh, kid. He never missed school. He, he would never have to get encouraged to wake up. Um, he, you know, he did what he had to do. He was like a really tidy, uh, you know, kid had like a routine uh, that he did after he went back from uh, school, back to home. He would like, you know, put his clothes in a certain manner every single time, the same manner. He put his like school uniform, I think, in the washers. So he like, uh, he was really punctual, but, you know, on the day when he did disappear, he was not punctual. Now let's throw it back a little bit to uh, September 13th before we jump to the events of September 14th. So September 13th, he does a super like natural thing that he would do all the time, which is why this was super scary for me when I was like listening to this. He apparently showed no indications the day before of running away of, um, you know, deciding to go to London. He had none of that. He just pretty much, you know, did regular stuff. Like, he apparently um, uh, did, like, a jigsaw puzzle with his father. Then he watched some, um, you know, English sitcoms with his mother in the living room. He did, like, what he did every single day. So this is why it was so scary, because, oh, my God, like, people could maybe hide their plans really well if you know what i mean yeah it was it was it was very strange i mean well a lot of things about the kid are a little bit weird almost because he's like so well put together with his habits and staying on top of things and then i like i was when you were describing him i, <laughs> I was almost resenting him a little bit where i was like gosh i wish i could have everything could have been so easy for me when I was a little kid. But like I see it even now with my daughter, we're like, she's just like me where we're definitely not putting our school uniforms in the wash every day and not, not just breezing through school. Like he was breezing through it. Like things were not so easy. So it, it, it is, seems so strange. Maybe that's why it makes somebody like that. So able to conceal you know yeah. what I mean? Some kind of, yeah. some kind of, because they're so easy, so they're they're able to run multiple projects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's a good point, man. Um, okay, so moving on into the, uh, you know, September fourteenth, the day when he disappeared. Now it started off messed up immediately. He did not wake up on time. I believe his parents almost had to like wake him up or something like that. He did because it was a school day. So he did not wake up on time. And uh, I have a timeline of the day when he went missing, which is very important for us to go through. And that's and then we'll jump to, you know, what we think may have happened. Um, now, one really interesting point I've seen here thrown out and, you know, without stopping here for too long, I want to dish it back to you immediately and ask for your opinion, but just like a quick opinion. Um, he, uh, he apparently, you know, breaks his habit of waking up on time. Wouldn't you agree that there's a chance that he was maybe during, you know, the the sleep time from the 13th 
XIV was contemplating whether or not he should do something like uh, go to London, is, is he going to do that? And wouldn't you agree that maybe those ideas in his head during that night kept him awake for maybe most of the night? And he couldn't get a good night's sleep. That's why he woke up all like messed up and sleepy. Wouldn't you agree that maybe he was contemplating something beforehand? And that's why he had like a bad night's sleep, I would say? Yeah, if it was me, for sure. I mean, I've had back then and even now that stuff keep me up. I mean, I got to be honest, this kid's kind of like an alien to me a little bit because of some of the stuff even that we'll mention later about some of his other habits. But, you know, it says here that in the description of him that he wasn't even like moody. And I'm like, what 14 year old isn't moody? Yeah. So that's even that's weird. Like, I almost wonder if he was a little bit. Um, hormonally delayed. I mean, which isn't, there's, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like, kids go through different growth spurts. So it sounds like he hadn't really hit his yet. Yeah. You, you even look like literally the picture. I mean, he was starting to hit it because the picture, the pictures from right before this, no joke, he looks like a little, little kid. But at least in the pictures from like around the time, yeah. including, you know, the, the surveillance, he looks a little bit older. Like he's starting to hit like man, yeah. man hormones. But yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the other thing I, I wanted to just quickly note was this was similar to that Asha Degree case, remember, where yep. she she had stayed up part of the night. So it makes you wonder if any of that time was spent making secret preparations, wow. even though it looks like he didn't really bring anything. Exactly. Um, just to throw it back to Asher Degree, I had like a little thought about it like the day the day before yesterday, I think. And I was thinking to myself, that's super scary. Like Asher Degree is actually insanely scary. So for everyone who doesn't really know what I'm talking about, uh, please go listen to our Asher Degree episode. Like that case is just frightening, to be honest. Now let's jump to um, the events, right? So uh, yeah, I'll just go through the timeline. So we have September 14th, 7 a.m. to 8.05 a.m. in the morning, Andrew Gosden woke up late and seemed irritable. So it was unusual because he always stuck to his routine. We already talked about that. Now, what happened after 8.05 a.m.? So uh, he told his uh, parents and I believe uh, maybe Charlotte as well, his sister, he told them all, see you later. So th this, these are the final words that he had told his uh, parents, see you later. One other thing uh, very interesting that we want to mention here is that Andrew didn't have a cell phone because apparently he had multiple cell phones but he just kept losing them and when uh, and i think uh, two months before his disappearance he had lost his cell phone and um, when the parents offered him to get like a new one he was like i would rather have an xbox so he was not really into cell phones so i think we'll may have this may, maybe we'll discuss it later on so he says see you later and he's out the door he's apparently he you know everyone expects him to just walk to the bus station now andrew is actually andrew was actually seen walking across the local park uh, the westfield local park now we have this westfield local park and he was actually seen here by i believe a family friend or like a neighbor so uh, you know i think uh, you know westfield local park is a little bit 
oof, what just happened? I have no idea what just happened. Okay, so this is this is the park, right? Uh, but um, wait, maybe we could just okay. Yeah, so basically he was seen in this park at around 8.30 a.m. Uh, and I think he was seen, uh, now let me just uh, make this correct, he was seen by a family friend, Reverend Alan Murray. Uh, you know, so Alan Murray spots him walking here. So we definitely know that 8.30 he was seen here that's like a fact now he his bus school uh, bus stop i'm sorry was supposed to be somewhere around this park but he doesn't go to the bus stop apparently he, he goes to like an atm and he withdraws 200 pounds from his atm um, you know, uh, from his bank account. Now, he had 214 pounds in the ATM. However, the ATM only allowed to take out 20 pound bills out of, you know, the machine. So there was no way for him to get all of his money out. So he just got 200 pounds out. But he also had money back in his home that he had left. He had left another additional 100 pounds that he had collected over like birthday presents and so on. And he just decided to leave that money. And now he is taking 200 pounds out of the ATM. Um, dude, do you have any, any input on that? What are your opinions? I mean, it's so bizarre because like, like you said, yeah, he had left 100, like <laughs> he left a third of his fortune behind at home so it really seems like he thought that he had more than enough and i just surmised that whatever his goal was was a short-term goal for him to need his own money if that exactly. makes sense but uh, after you know he's he goes to the atm he doesn't uh, actually go straight to the um, you know, train station that we'll uh, talk about shortly that he took to go to London, he actually goes back home. And he knew that, you know, right now, everyone's going to be gone. Charlotte's going to be uh, on her way to school and the parents will have left for work. So it's a sneaky move. Uh, and it sort of uh, indicates to me that this was all premeditated on Andrew's part, that he pretty much had a plan you know what i mean he had a plan to go get this money maybe the money doesn't even maybe he doesn't even need the money now i just had this idea maybe the money is just something for him to do until everyone leaves you know so he maybe goes oh, okay i'll just grab the money whatever so maybe the money actually doesn't even play a big part for andrew maybe it's just something that you know sure what the heck i'll just go grab the money while i'm waiting until everyone leaves the house now he goes back to the house and apparently he does literally every like the same exact routine that he would do at, that you know like would would he had gone to school and came back so i'm reading here that he goes back home uh, that's vacant right now he changed out of his school uniform he hung his school blazer on the back of a chair and, you know, put the rest of his uniform in the wash, something he did literally every day. Now, he put on his black slipknot t-shirt, black jeans, black wristwatch, 
and packed his black canvas bag. Now, he had keys, he had his wallet, and he had his PSP game console, but he didn't have the charger. And he left the additional 100 pounds, uh, you know, at his house. Now, this is a, this is like a super weird situation because it doesn't make any sense when you think about it. And, you know, I want to pose to you a, a question right now. Maybe you will make some sense of it because I can't make any sense right now. So, yeah. Yo, oh, sorry, let me, let me ask the question. Okay, first. okay. Yeah, okay, okay. So, basically, my question for you is he takes money, right? So, it it's almost like he's preparing to leave somewhere like for maybe a longer time and then uh before uh, i explain to you the whole uh, the whole question i want to also mention the fact that when he goes to the train station to buy the ticket to go to london the the person who sells him the ticket offers him um a ticket back home as well for like a five percent of the five percent of its cost so only a fraction of the cost uh, because when you buy a ticket one way, the ticket back is like super cheap. It's like almost nothing. It's almost like a free ticket back. Like literally, like, I don't know, like just pennies. But he denies that. So he doesn't uh, buy the ticket back. So he only buys a one-way ticket to London, indicating that he is not planning to return back home but he doesn't take his PSP charger, which is like literally doesn't take up any space. And, and you know, you would think that he would take his PSP charger if he's planning to run away or not return home because he didn't buy the ticket. But if he's, you know, if he doesn't take the charger, that immediately indicates to me that maybe he plans to be back on the same day. But then why doesn't he buy the super cheap inexpensive ticket back from back from london so do you make it does does did i make any sense here and what are your opinions man no those are the exact questions i think that's the the crucial set of questions well let me rewind it for 10 seconds here's the thing that you said well one of two things you just said that really got me thinking so the one thing is like he put his clothes in the laundry yeah but why would you do that unless you were, you know, planning to use them again, right? Because if you were, if you were leaving forever, well, who cares? Like, just drop them on the floor. Yeah. Throw them in the toilet. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I mean, oh, don't do that. But you know what I mean? Like, light them on fire. Who cares? Like, you're never gonna wear them again. If you're, yeah, planning to kill yourself, planning to do this or that, you're never coming back and running away. Why? I mean, other than just pure reflex, or like some severe case of ADHD. Why put the clothes in the laundry if you're exactly, not coming back? Yeah, the charger thing mystifies me. By the way, I, I had not even thought of that until you said that, that like the whole money errand thing was maybe an afterthought or just like a kind of a red herring, like a like a, something to burn time. By the way, that's super ballsy of him to go back to the house because, you know, there's always some reason that mom and dad or somebody could be back at home. Like we even saw that. Um, in the uh, the other case, the guy that killed him killed his family, where somebody was was unexpectedly home, um, and he was kind of like juggling juggling stuff because of a, a schedule that went off the rails yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um. So that yeah, I mean it's it's weird as timing is 
so precise on things. And then these little things like that. Yeah, to your point, it, I was thinking about this, like why was the ticket back so cheap? And I realized, oh, it's because if you don't make the ticket back cheap, you can't even get people to pay to go to London. You know what I mean? Like, like if it, they, mm. they needed to give people a reason. By the way, if, if you make it real cheap to go back to that town, then you're kind of like building that habit, right? But yeah, you're right. It was like literally 50 pence. So like for Americans, 50 cents. 50 cents more on like a 31-pound ticket. So, you know, something close to like probably – 40 45 dollars for american dollars yeah. so like 50 cents more to go round trip why wouldn't you cover your bases this kid seems to have everything so well planned now one person suggested this is interesting yeah that maybe he thought whoever he was going to meet if he was going to meet somebody that they were going to maybe be able to bring him back like that didn't totally make sense to me because like if he was dealing with someone who was you know the same age well like you can't you can't drive a car when you're 14 in England, I don't yeah. think. Also, um, uh, just, yeah. just a quick step in, because it's a very good point that you just mentioned here, and I was going to address this as well. Even if that's the case, even that, even if that's the predicament that you go to London and someone's going to give you back, like, I don't know, someone, somehow that person is going to get you back home, wouldn't you still pay 50 pence for the ticket back just in case? You know, it's like, I mean, it's only 50 pence. Yeah, it's being incredibly cheap. And there's no real point to do it. And then the charger thing, like like, uh, like you said, uh, sometimes I think it's hard for everyone to relate. So we're just going to be super, you know, uh, explicit about it. Not, explicit, not in a bad way, but in like a stating it all out there for a 14 year old. That PSP, and this is before smartphones, right? So that's part of the reason why he doesn't really give a crap about having a phone is because phones could only make phone calls and text yeah. back then. Yeah. So if you're not super social, like I wouldn't have wanted a phone either. Like my, my It would be more like probably my parents would want me having a phone, like a leash, because you couldn't do all the cool stuff you can do with phones now in 2008. So like that's, that's the thing is it's interesting to think of like that PSP – was probably, I don't know. I mean, if it was me, it would be my most prized possession. Exactly. So dude. yeah, that charger, I don't even know that I would have been leaving that charger with at home. Like, I think I feel like I, if I was bringing it with me to school or whatever he's doing, like, why wouldn't you have it on the off chance that you could have a chance to top it off or you're going to someone's house, you know, yeah. and you two are going to like network that thing because I think there was a way to network them um, even without the internet back then. So yeah, like, by the way, is it worth – I mean maybe we'll just save it for the investigation, but there's like an interesting angle about the lack of other electronics and connectedness in his life and his family's life. Um, I think we could definitely leave that for the final discussions if okay. you want. I mean I think yeah. um, I think it's just about time that we move through the timeline. I really want to finish the timeline before we jump into anything else. So uh, continuing on with the timeline, right? So Andrew is actually caught on a uh, neighbor's CCTV camera walking towards the station. Now let's disclose that he took uh, the Doncaster train station uh, to, you know, uh, go all the way to London and and we actually have the CCTV footage, so I just want to quickly play for it for you. I don't know, dude. Maybe we could make uh, some some sense of the CCTV. So, 
yeah we're just uh, seeing the cctv as you can see uh the time is uh you know uh 905 <clears throat> in the morning um yeah i mean you know just <coughs> i just see like a kid walking uh, maybe in a casual manner maybe not necessarily in a super casual manner i don't know how well you can see the cctv footage man uh, maybe he seemed like he's really um determined now i've not seen him walk so maybe that's just how he walks to me maybe it reminds me of someone who's really determined to get to a certain place uh, but maybe that's just andrew um you have any uh input on uh, this cctv <laughs> I thought he was skateboarding for a second. He's moving pretty fast. Like, he's not... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's walking like a man on a mission. Exactly. Or something. Yeah, so basically, he walks, he walks, he walks, and he, apparently at 9.32, uh, Andrew arrives at the Doncaster train station. Now, as I've said, he only buys the one-way ticket to London in the cash... Uh, with London in... In cash he uses cash um, now the uh, ticket seller was a female who later became a uh, key witness actually um, now she remembers that she would have you know she offered uh, him the 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 ticket bag home for like a one pound or like 50 pence like something super cheap like literally nothing um, and uh, pretty much Andrew insisted that he was only buying a single ticket and this is exactly why this uh, female ticket seller remembered Andrew so well and maybe thought that this was super strange because uh, she, uh, let's remember Andrew is 14 but he looks a little bit younger than that so you almost could imagine uh, the female ticket seller looking at almost like what she presumes a 12 year old kid buying a one-way ticket to london and you know not buying a ticket back maybe she assumed oh he's just going to meet like a grandmother or something like that but still uh, it was odd enough that she actually you know explicitly remembered uh andrew and you know andrew boards the train at i believe 9 32 a.m so, you know, just around, I would say, 20, how much is this, 27 minutes after this CCTV footage. So, yeah, we're, we're still looking at the CCTV. So, 27 minutes after that, after this walk, Andrew is already on the train. And he arrives at 11.20 a.m. to London. So, let's quickly go back to the Google Earth. He goes all the way back, as I've said, you know, as the cross flight, so it's over 140 miles to London, King's Cross, um, you know, King Cross's train station. We also have CCTV and we also have some unverified uh, areas where he was seen uh, you know uh, shortly after that so i'll go over them uh, really quickly so but before that i think we should jump to the cctv of the uh, train station in london right so we're jumping to that and yeah we could pretty much see just him you know with slipknot uh, walking out now there's um, i don't necessarily want to go in this angle on the show how the police messed up uh, on this case because apparently this footage has only been recovered 
one month after he disappeared so uh, it's not like everyone could see this footage the next day initially when i think london police checked checked the surveillance they didn't locate uh, andrew but then you know some local cops from uh, doncaster i believe or like yorkshire uh, went down to london they or like one person from there went to london they actually managed to find like this whole you know what i mean uh, clip or multiple clips of andrew walking like this clip right here this uh, as he's passing the man with the white shirt and the back uh, backpack on his back this this right here this is the last time he's seen so well uh, uh, seen for a fact there were multiple other sightings that are not verified but the family believes that they are correct now i'll be getting to them really shortly i just want to quickly finish up the story uh, uh, the timeline and then we can jump immediately to the theories so as i've said andrew at this is by the way he's getting caught here on cctv at 11 25 a.m so just around noon so it's definitely a little bit uncharacteristic uh, uncharacteristical I would say because you know he is a really young looking kid on his own in London during school hours you know so I don't know that may seem a little bit suspicious to some people um, yeah so pretty much uh, nothing else happens uh, for like an hour but an hour after that then this is as I've said this is unconfirmed um, there was I believe a someone i'm not sure if it was a woman or a man but there was a sighting of andrew that placed him at the pizza hut on oxford street which is apparently one hour's walk away from king's cross station and now when i'm talking about unverified sightings there had been over a hundred uh, unverified sightings and for some reason a lot of them actually in the city of bristol i think we'll mention it a little bit later on the show or maybe right now so if i'm just gonna be jumping to the google earth right now right so Apparently, 11 of those sightings happened later on in in Brighton. I'm sorry, not Bristol, but in Brighton, in the coastal coastal town. Um, but yeah, apparently, he arrives at London's King's Cross train station at 11.30 p.m. Uh, a.m., I'm sorry, and at 12.30 p.m., so, you know, one hour later, you know, uh, 30 minutes past the afternoon, he's spotted at a pizza hut on Oxford Street. Now, you know, I've tried to locate which of these pizza huts is the exact one, and actually, I couldn't do that, because we have one pizza hut that, you know, as the crows fly, is like, 1.2 miles away from the you know crisscross uh, king's cross i'm sorry uh you know train station and another one is like two miles as the crows flies so one of these because they're both pizza huts and they're both on uh, oxford street maybe the pizza hut in 2007 was in a completely different location who knows because it's like uh, newer information but he is seen on a pizza hut in oxford street now if, if you can see this is the oxford street right here and actually andrew was a big fan of pizza hut uh, more so than uh, other you know fast food chains so this is why the family members believe that this was actually you know a this was where he was actually uh, and then also another sighting was uh, 
uh, another sighting was in Co Covent Garden. So this is Covent Garden, and it's a touristy attraction location and things like that. And he has been, uh, you know, uh, spotted there. Uh, but apparently we don't have a lot of information about who spotted uh, Andrew here, but we know that um, the person who spotted Andrew in Covent Garden, like this little touristy attraction right here in London, if we would just jump you know, to the Google Earth, um, yeah, it's definitely like a pretty cool touristy you know, uh, place. There's a bunch of people here, uh, as I've seen. Uh, the person who spotted Andrew was only interviewed by police six weeks after they spotted Andrew. You know what I mean? So police was definitely very late here. And just to top off the story before we jump to the, you know, theories and what may have happened to Andrew, Andrew has been spotted all over the place, apparently. But these are, in my opinion, the least... Uh, least less likely um, uh, like sightings because I do believe that the Pizza Hut sighting and the Covent Garden sightings are very strong. And I during my research, I definitely had the I you know I had the notion that these two sightings were really credible. But now he was spotted days later, I believe, in the Waterloo station, uh, walking in the Waterloo station with like warmer clothes already, uh, arriving at uh, Mort, Mort Lake station, you know, so someone apparently saw him there. Uh, someone, I believe, saw him in Southwark, like days later. Um, as I've said, there are multiple sightings. Um, yeah, he has been seen like apparently 11 times in Brighton, which is crazy because why Brighton, you know? Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. He's never been, you know, found ever again. Um, just to finish off how the day ended when he went missing. Well, at 6 p.m. in the evening, uh, the family members... Uh, by the by, 6 p.m. everyone had already returned home, uh, but actually uh, they only found out that he was missing when they sat for dinner because apparently it was typical for him to stay in the, I guess, in the basement and to be playing on his PSP. So everyone, even though they were back home already, they don't they didn't necessarily think that he was missing because they assumed he was just playing his PSP in the in the basement but when the time to eat dinner came and you know they couldn't locate him um they really started to panic a little bit initially they thought that maybe he had lost his um you know sense of time and maybe had stayed uh, at a neighbor's or a friend's they called his friends families and they short soon found out that um you know he had not even went to school that day uh, then apparently they called the school or something like that. And now the key fact here is that the school 
actually did try to notify the parents that Andrew is absent, but they dialed the incorrect phone number. So this is like uh, Chiron Hormone all over again, you know what I mean? So apparently another failure to inform the, the family that your kid is not attending school. And I don't know if this could have been prevented, maybe if uh, the school actually managed to call uh, the, the parents now you know uh, uh, Charlotte and Kevin you know sister and the father of um, Andrew they uh, took the route uh, that Andrew you know uh, would have taken to go to school but they couldn't find any evidence uh, soon after like uh, they I guess got uh, like uh, they they I don't I know how that whole situation went down where they interviewed the lady who sold him the ticket. Then they found out that he was going to London. Month after that, they, there was a really in, inconsistent work on the police behalf. But uh, a month later, they did find the CCTV footage. Uh, and I know I'm talking a lot and I'm, I promise you this is the last point that I want to mention because I just want to get everything in before we discuss uh, what may have happened to Andrew. Uh, London is apparently the most surveyed, like in terms of surveillance, uh, city in Europe. Like there's a lot of surveillance cameras all over the place. But apparently, I don't know if they still work in the same manner, but back in 2007 when, you know, this disappearance took place, uh, apparently they would only keep the CCTV footage that they record for like a month or so or like maybe a few weeks and then they would delete it to make room for the new uh, footage, you know what I mean? So since police was really slow to detect, uh, you know, the, to like go through the CCTV, you know, all of the footage, potential other footage because we only have those two clips, right? All of the other clips are gone forever because I'm sure he would have been spotted somewhere else, maybe uh, in the Covent Garden or something like that because this area is probably super heavily surveyed. So, but we will never know because uh, that footage is already erased forever. And then lastly, uh, for sure the last point is that the police actually heavily focused on Kevin Gosden to be involved somehow for some reason. I really found it very suspicious because uh, maybe you will know this. Uh, what could have been like the potential cataclyst for the police to suspect Kevin for, you know, his son's disappearance? I have no idea, but, you know, that's what they did for the longest time. And that's why they didn't get to watching the CCTV footage because they were focusing on Kevin. So, yeah, I know I've been talking for, for a long time. I need like a sip of water, dude. Uh, what is <laughs> What is your take on everything, man? I mean, a couple of things. I just, I'll just answer the immediate thing you talked about. So, um, I mean, it wasn't just the police that were focusing on Kevin. Like you said, a lot of the internet sleuths and just Monday morning quarterback type people were pointing fingers at him. And, and here's the thing. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this in the show before. Uh, my, my maternal grandmother, she was kind of like the de facto... Um, like principal or, or warden or whatever at a um, like like had had some kind of principal type at like a, a home for a home for wayward girls I guess is what they would have called it back then in in the state of Oregon and I think she mentioned gosh when I was like a kid 
that you know a lot of the girls were actually there. It was like like, like a reform school, so it was like runaways, like runaway girls and girls that were in trouble. Yeah. But she said, frankly, the real truth was some amount of it was they had they were trying to get these girls away from their fathers. If you know what I mean. So there was like you know bad stuff going on at home. Oh, okay. Um, so I think you know there's some truth behind some good amount of like kids that run away from home. It's maybe because of some kind of abuse at home, whether it's physical or, you know, sexual or, or something else going on. There's other reasons too. It's not the only reason. And sometimes like in cases like Asha degree, um, it doesn't make sense at all. We can't, it's like a complete mystery, which I also feel like this is another one of those cases too, where that's what was so scary is, you can't even really point to like a legitimate cause, and unfortunately, it causes a lot of grief for the parents. Like, no, no kidding. In this case, and that uh, uh, Andrew's father even mentioned it on the interview. He tried to kill himself. He tried yeah. to hang himself. Someone, yeah. someone, someone discovered him like hanging from a rope and cut him down wow. in time. Yeah, I mean, this this like kind of ruined his life and. You know, I feel like he's probably been beat up enough, but I think that's probably why it was just people just assume when a kid goes goes missing that the parents did it, and it's not always wrong, right? There's a lot of parents that do do something to their kid or kill their kids and try to hide it, so maybe that's that's part of it. Maybe they didn't have a lot of runaways from this this town. Now, by the way, the one thing I I kind of looked at is I'm not one for like a lot of extra laws and rules. But it seems kind of weird to me that a kid under 18 can buy a, t- a one-way ticket, specifically a one-way ticket, um, t- to leave during, like you said, school hours um, for like a pretty long distance. Like it's, it's farther than going from like Los Angeles to San Diego. Um, so like that seems odd to me that you can do that and not have like a lot of questions. You know, just like like right now because of terrorism and stuff like that. If you try to buy like a one-way ticket with cash for an airplane ticket, which I know is a little bit of a different situation, but still, right? It's it raises suspicions, right? Yeah. So it seems weird to me because that, to me, sounds like a teenager running away. So, just from a, you know, I like England is especially good at being in everyone's business, you know, and kind of like kind of nanny state type stuff. So it seems strange to me that this kid was able to kind of like do step one and two of the runaway teen uh, playbook. Maybe, maybe the, uh, there should be like a system where I don't know, the, the parents have to like give consent or something like that. You know what I yeah, mean? yeah, yeah. Exactly, because I feel like you couldn't you couldn't just buy, like if you were him you couldn't just buy like a, a plane ticket from like here to like San Francisco, you know or Vegas yeah. and just be on his own. And, you know, no, you know, like some, an adult would have to be in the loop somewhere. So that's weird to me. The other things that concern me about the case is that, well, part of it is it's really hard to both figure out a lot of aspects about him, both in terms of like who may have been in contact with Andrew, but also like any kind of digital footprint because the whole friggin' family didn't really have a digital footprint. So it turns out that like nobody, he didn't even have an, this is 2008, right? Is that, is that right? The Seven. year 2007, yeah. so even early, you know, but it's like, it's still like a good 10 years 
or so into like every, you know a lot of people having the internet and the internet becoming a big thing um, you know like i would actually differ a little bit here dude because yeah. I, I don't think in 2007 i don't really recall how old i was in 2007 i think yeah. if we had like an internet presence we dude i wouldn't be so sure that we had it in like 2007 here so i mean i know what you mean because maybe in america dude i think this is i think this is the thing dude uh maybe it's in america maybe you all had that maybe you know where where i'm from i think 2007 it's it's not a given that everyone's gonna have like uh, email addresses back then you know especially like where i'm from so i mean you know what i mean it's it's a fair point, and I think you know I'm I'm biased, of course, because at that point I was like a good, almost ten years into an internet career. So exactly, like, you know, exactly, you know, dude, exactly. If you if you work work for like a movie studio on, on the internet, you might think that everybody has the internet. But I will say, you know, obviously, like you said, uh, adoption rates by country differed, and and even like um, penetration of like. Uh, 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 broadband connections and things like that. It still seems, I'll, I'll tell you why it seems weird to me though. Um, I'm gonna clear my throat for a second. It's all good, dude. Yeah. I mean, I, I do agree that it's, it's, it's maybe weird, but I think, yeah, I, I, it's not as weird, at least for me. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. To be fair, you know, it is, I guess it is still, you know, a good 14 years ago. Here's the other thing though, for a, someone that is interested in bands Right. Yeah. So like YouTube was around. Okay. Even, even then YouTube was, was a couple of years into its, into its history. I think even like at that point, Google bought it. Um, so YouTube was around, you like bands. So that's a good way to like see, see clips of the bands you like, right. For free. And then, um, without using kind of those, those words that'll, maybe trigger the wrong algorithms on, on uh, YouTube, I'm going to dance around it and say, the internet was a good way to get free music. Um, so I'm not saying a certain word, so we don't get flagged for it. Um, so that's also like, I mean, everybody I knew was getting free music from the internet back then. It was, that's what happened to the, to the music industry. So that's weird for a kid that's super into music and doesn't necessarily have a lot of spending cash that he doesn't have, not taking advantage of that. And then finally, the video game connection. My experience with video games, which has made, like you said, differ for a lot of other people, was that like the internet was like a big venue into it. Either I was playing online against other people, or I was finding out about games, or I was even, at that point, you know, I think I had like Steam. So I was like downloading games, you know, for, for purchase or, you know, sometimes people download games that they didn't purchase. Um, you know, it's, I guess that's interesting to me. And like you said, it may just be that I'm not being really realistic about suburban England in 2007, yeah. but it, it, it is odd to me regardless that even the parents were on online, you know, they're like working professionals in theory. Um, the sister's the only one who, about eight weeks before this whole thing finally has like a laptop and they have some kind of like, I guess, internet connection at that point. But that's what's mystifying to me is like when I did the research and they went through these different scenarios and I have to really give it credit. Cause you know, sometimes like we've got, we've done these other cases like Michael Negrete or Brian Schaefer or, you know, fill in the blank, but that, there's some really disturbing just disappearances where the, the people are just gone, gone. Right. 
and you're like, how did this happen? Like, what are, what are the signs? And I think that what's especially disturbing is this person's closer to being like a child than an adult. So some of the other explanations, yeah, I, either way, they're scary. But I think what is especially disturbing about this is, you know, because we don't. Well, I guess what's disturbing is like, like, like they went through the whole list. They went through the whole list, dude. So like some of the things that the other people would have like said, oh, well, we don't really want to talk about lifestyle choices or, you know, things basically quote unquote, like, like if, if maybe he was secretly gay yeah, and coming a- yeah. awakening to that and ran away from home because of that. Well, his dad covered that. His dad covered the suicide angle. His dad covered yeah, like all these different, and that's, and that's worth probably discussing in a second, but you know, it was the only thing that I didn't hear them discuss, and I'm just mm-hmm. gonna throw it out there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're gonna you're gonna maybe laugh or maybe be offended <laughs> that like okay. maybe that like that like that like, like like maybe he went to go join something like ISIS. But ISIS didn't exist yet, but like Al Qaeda did. Uh, so okay. that and, and by the way, from England, that's not unheard of. Now all this stuff with ISIS happened like ten years <laughs> after, Dude, after this. This like a, this like it, a crazy. Not, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nutty, but I'll tell you what. Why I don't think it's as nutty as you think is because he's in the like he's in the age where as a as a, as a teen, teenage okay. boy specifically, because look, he already is getting mistaken for a little kid, right? So if you were like had kind of a chip on your shoulder that you wanted to be more of a man or be perceived as a man, and and I I remember this at exactly this age from like me and other kids that I knew. And I said, this, this is right straddling that kind of problem age for boys at 13, 14. I remember kids that I knew, and maybe even me, having this unrealistic idea like, I want to go join like a mercenaries. I want to go be a hitman. I want to like, you know what I mean? Like like this really extreme like action movie, like I want to go join the Foreign Legion. So that's where I was like, you know, they did kind of cover that with like, well, he could have got across the channel, gotten to Europe and gotten some other, but like, I didn't see anybody mention like joining, joining things that would make you a lot harder to detect, right? Because let's say he joined something. I'm not saying he joined Al Qaeda, but let's say he joined an organization that <laughs> that was like that, that that was like on the fringes of, of of Western civilization, right? Or on the fringes of society, someplace that's in the developing world. You know, whatever it could be. I mean, he could be he could be on, on a ship or something. He could be like a like a like a like a crewman on a on a on a freighter somewhere, something like that. Where that was the thing that wasn't covered as much, but I think that's a possibility. And yeah. and like as much as we kind of laugh about you know someone going to go join the Taliban or something, well, that freaking did happen though. Like we literally had teenagers from California who were like not that far off his age, who were like when the whole 9-11 thing started, you know, we have, there's a famous, there's a, there's a, there's a couple of teenagers from California. There's a famous one who was there right at the start, right at like the whole invasion, you know, with our special forces and stuff. He was, he, he they called him American Taliban. He was this guy, this kid who was just like him, who like, you know, got into like, you know, religion, you know, new religion and, and ran off to join like, like a madrasa. And all of a sudden he's like right in the front pages. And like, he becomes like the, the freaking poster child of like American spoiled teen gone wrong. But okay. So that's, that's crazy. That's a crazy theory. 
let's just put it out there that like that was the only thing I hadn't really heard put out there, and and uh, I'm sure yeah, I'll hear yeah, about like, it. Like uh, commenters, it's yeah, it's, all, it's, it's all good, dude. Like I I don't think long it, shot. If if you had to like let's just make it clear here. Yeah. I mean I I I definitely respect <laughs> this theory, but but I just want to make it clear here for everyone who's listening that if you had to bet, like this yeah. would this would not be your number one bet. No, well, only because of the weirdness with the with the the Slipknot stuff and all that. Like yeah. that, that's the one part about him where I'm like, ooh, that's kind of dark. Or I mean, I don't mean dark like awful. I just mean like that's kind of an ex- a little bit more extreme personality trait yeah. than everything else about him. Right now, I will tell you, getting getting into the weird territory again. When I look at pictures of him, like from that day. I don't know. I'm kind of leaning a little towards the lifestyle stuff. I'm not saying he ran away because of his lifestyle, but I don't know. He's looking. He's looking a little bit like. I don't know. It's hard to tell. You know what I mean? It's an awkward age. So I mean, this is hair's dude, a little I, bit I long. Just, I just want to say, I, when I was his age, <laughs> I was dude. I was looking like also like all over the place. So trust me, man. It's like, uh, I, I mean, was, was your hair long like that? And like I'm not saying similar, long hair means dude, anything. Like okay. Similar, okay. Dude, yeah. Like, I, I mean, like, like I'll, I'll say I was a foot taller than him and probably had the same weight. So I was like, yeah. no joke, six feet tall and six foot two and weighed about 120. Yeah. At one point I weighed only like a hundred. So like I, I get looking skinny and weird and stuff. Like I, I definitely felt bad about it. Um, I guess the other thing is, okay, so let's just go down the list. So one of them is that he was maybe groomed by somebody and lured into going on this trip to meet somebody, which, by the way, in this footage you show, his head's on the swivel, huh? He's looking. Yeah. Like, like no one else is really looking around like he is. He's looking. He's looking. He's looking like he's looking for somebody. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Because no one else is really, everyone else kind of, they, they know what train stop they're going. I mean, you know, it could be just he doesn't do this trip all the time. But to me, it looks like he's looking for yeah. somebody that he's supposed to be meeting. So that's weird to me. Dude, uh, just uh, just because we're going through the theories now. Yeah. Uh, and I want to, you know, I have like this, as I've said, like this um, place where I have like the most common theories uh, like lined up. And actually, it's a really good yeah. point that you've started out with the groomer theory because there are two types of uh, groomer theories here. And I think uh, we should uh, just like keep it structured, dissect them one by one. So uh, in terms of the groomer theory, there is a theory that he either met someone local maybe in Doncaster who groomed him and somehow you know went with him on the on the train by the way one other thing I want to mention to the audience on the train uh, to from Doncaster to London he was actually witnessed by a woman well he was witnessed by a lot of people but one of the w- women uh, exactly remembered seeing Andrew and what he was doing he was just playing on his PSP all throughout the trip and he didn't seem like he was with anyone to my understanding so there are two theories of the groomer uh, potentially grooming him and you know things bad things happen so one is he met someone local and the other one is that he met someone over the internet now there were speculations that he was some sort of an internet super whiz and he knew how to hide his like digital footprint but apparently that's really not credible so uh, wouldn't you say that if a groomer theory is the case here uh, would would you be leaning more towards the internet groomer or a local uh, groomer from Doncaster 
I mean, if it's the internet, I don't get how 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 it would have happened because he would have had to do it. Basically, the only opportunity he would have had to do it was at school, and we have no indication of any kind of, you know, extensive school internet use. You know, as, I, like I don't know what kind of computer lab action they had back then. Uh, apparently, but, I just want to step in because I, yeah. I, what I've what I've read is that he the the police actually did a comprehensive look in the school uh, library and things like that on the on the computers and they didn't find any um, use of uh, the school computers from Andrew. So apparently, he was not. Everyone I think believes that he wasn't even using the school computers. And then, and then he's he's never out of the house, right? He's at this freaking he's in this freaking basement all day. Yeah. So yeah, it just it just does not align at all with, like, yeah. Because in other words, he would he would he just just put his, ourselves in this place. He would have made an excuse to be out of that. Oh, I gotta go to the library, mom and dad. And then he would have been at the library at least yeah. using the public computer, but he didn't do that. So so then the local groomer part, I also don't get other than like you said the really recent new habit he had of walking home and unfortunately we don't really have any any way of metering like how long it was taking them to get home yeah. i guess or i don't i didn't notice uh, that so, yeah. uh, it's it's i believe over an hour that's the quote that i've read so a little but over was, an hour so i looked it up and it was six kilometers was almost exactly four miles it was pretty close oh okay so i mean walking pretty fast i mean like how he was walking in that earlier video yeah, you could do that in about an hour. That's like 15 okay. minutes a mile. Um, I mean, you know, it's that's like a pretty brisk walk. But yeah. so, it, it, you know what I mean? There's not even like for whatever kind of yeah. stuff he's getting up to. Yes. You know, it's fill in the blanks, right? You know, whatever, whatever people do. Um, yeah. It's, it's odd, right? It doesn't it doesn't really like how would you inform a relationship? So exactly that part freaking mystifies me as well. And it doesn't even like. I, by the way, like when I was his age, I was spending a lot of time on like the. I was like a like a. Def, I think this is what. If I sound a little passionate about it, yeah, it's because I see myself in like a lot of stuff about this kid. Like I was in Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts. I, I was a, pr pretty much a loner. I spent a lot of time at home. Um, I I did have friends too. I probably it sounds like I got bullied a lot more than he did, but I mean, it, it, but. And it was exposed to maybe more street smart stuff at some point, but there's a lot of similarities where it's like, what did I spend my time on? But I was at the library getting books and then reading at home. So I, I feel like I did more reading maybe and, and messing around. Like I read about stuff I wanted to read about. So if I wanted to read about like, you know, mercenaries or tanks or UFOs or, you know, all the stuff we talk about in the show, you know, that's why I, I know yeah. all these weird friggin' things is because I spent all this time reading it. It's weird to me that he didn't he didn't even really sound that into that. And by the way, he didn't even hate school that much. Like like if you would have asked me when I was his age, like, hey, do you like school? No. <laughs> like <laughs> no, I hate school. Um he didn't even like if anything, school just seemed too easy for him. He yeah. didn't like resent it, you know? So that's it's super strange to me. I don't I don't get the grooming thing doesn't make sense to me other than like he did yeah. make this trip he seems to be looking around exactly man uh so i would agree to you that with you that you know maybe the groomer theory is uh i don't know i just don't see the 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 the, 
the way that uh, he could have been groomed to me personally, it seems like a spur-of-the-moment situation. Uh, I think I have a theory. I'll, I'll maybe add it uh, a little bit later if we still have the time. Now, I want to quickly jump back to one interesting point in in this timeline. It's uh, November 2008. So this is uh, 13 months after his disappearance. A man visits a Leominster police station in uh, Hethford, West Midlands, and it, he basically used the intercom system to talk to a police uh, officer because he went to like the intercom system on the police station, and he pretty much said because there uh, it's a small town i think we it's a good time for us to jump to the google earth i also like have the location of the um city why is google earth so weird today not wait let me just make sure i'm doing this correctly okay i have to manually do this today okay whatever this is uh the police station where this man in 2008 and actually, let's check it out in in the street view. Uh, goes to the intercom and says, I have information regarding the disappearance of Andrew Gostin. And this is happening 13 months later. Um, and uh, there's no police officers uh, here. Because it's the middle of the night, I believe. And when the officers arrived... To this uh, police station because uh, on the intercom they said hold on uh, a police officer will come and take your information the man claiming that he knew uh, something about andrew gosden he had already left and um, you know the police and the family members pleaded on the media for this man to reappear and and give his information that he could stay anonymous and the interesting part about this is yeah you could think that this was just someone who was you know acting foolishly at the middle of the night just maybe drunk um, read about the case the day before and, and was like i know information about andrew gosden and then just ran away but the interesting part is that this is uh, this uh, police station is actually uh, in the middle of a business park like where it's you would have to make some sort of an effort to go here like it's not surrounded by other clubs or by anything it's a really it's not a small town but but as you can see like the heart of the town is here and we're looking on on the google earth and the police station is way, way, way down, like in the on the edge of the city, and so you would definitely have to make like some sort of, a, you know, like an effort to go here. So without stopping here for too long, we still have like a, quite a few points to discuss. Um, your thoughts on on the 2008 someone claiming to know information about on Andrew Gostin? Yeah, I'm. I'm... I'll, I'll have to pin it on to like a, the, one of the next theories because I don't have much uh, yeah. much to reflect on that. It's just too sketchy. Yeah, it's sketchy as hell. Um, and, you know, before we jump to the other uh, theories, um, there was another uh, situ weird situation like that, but it happened really uh, like pretty, I would say, uh, how should I put it? Uh, wait, let, let me just uh, get us back to the CCTV. Um, 
In 2018, a very weird situation happened where the Gosden family, so this is not 2008, this is 2018, in the month of June, so actually quite recently, um, uh, the Gosden family re revealed that someone had reported an online conversation with an individual with the username Andy Rue. Now, how this connects to Andrew Gosden is that basically Andrew was actually known like his family would used to call him Rue for some reason. I don't really understand that reason, but so uh, someone had talked to a man online named Andy Rue, you know, so could this be Andrew Gosden? We don't know, but this Andy Rue in 2018 claimed that their boyfriend had left them and they needed 2,000 pounds to cover rent. So this is, you know, the homosexual angle, I think, here, because uh, if this was Andrew Gosden, then he would have a boyfriend, something like that, right? And when this person... Right, so this Andy Rue tells this other person that he needs money to, uh, to pay his rent, um, because, you know, he has no money and he needs 200 pounds. Now, when this other person actually offers to send them the money, a Andy Rue tells this person that he does not have a bank account because he had left home when he was 14, okay? So just as Andrew Gosden. And now this link was investigated by police, but the individual behind the nickname Andy Rue has never been identified. And yeah, this is like the, these were like the two weird details. So what do you make of this one? Um, I mean, I, I, I feel like the, the nickname is, is common because like Andrew is often just shortened to Drew. Um, you know, it's like all these common names on it. So I, I just feel like that, that part, I'm not so blown away by it is the, the, you know, even the runaway part, I gotta say, that's probably yeah. the reason why that's one of the, one of the reasons why this is one of the, the things they're looking for, for this case is because yeah, some amount of, um, GLBT youth run away from home because of, uh, issues at home. So maybe it's not like a super rare reason for someone to leave home. I want to address another interesting theory regarding him going to potentially see a live show in London because he was wearing his Slipknot t-shirt. Now, there wasn't... Slipknot was definitely not playing, but apparently... And this was a weird situation. Apparently, uh, multiple bands were playing, so 30 Seconds to Mars was playing, but I don't get it It was if it was on the same day or it was three days later because the timestamps uh, got me really confused here. Also, uh, a final uh, tour of the band Skith was uh, happening also in London. Now, Skith was actually uh, the warmer, like the band that would warm up uh, Slipknot like back in the day. So maybe that was a connection. And then also a Finnish, you know, a band from Finland uh, called Him uh, also had a show. And apparently all of these bands had a show that night to london but uh the and apparently there's a theory that maybe andrew went to see one of these bands now what actually uh, is weird about this is that andrew apparently had been to bands to like shows before with his parents 
so it would be weird for him to completely out of the ordinary dodge um, dodge like that because it's not like his parents would well obviously maybe they would forbid him to go to London for a show but I don't know it just it just doesn't f maybe he did see the show but apparently um, there no one had identified him from the pictures I believe I don't think any professionals looked at the band at the show pictures maybe he could be located in one of those shows I mean that's if, if we could get like some pictures and analyze them I think that would be a, a great podcast for sure so um, dude your opinions on the, him going to London to see a live show theory you know, I actually lean towards this one. I, I mean, I wonder what shows mommy and daddy went to him with. Did they go to the Slipknot? The, the, yeah, the death metal shows. Like, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I could see that's definitely the age where you don't necessarily want to go, go to like rock concerts or musical performances with mom and dad. So, exactly. like, that actually seems plausible to me. I, I wonder if there's an age limit at these shows, though. But I could kind of see how, like, maybe nobody would even notice him. Yeah, I mean, just a handful of other theories before we give our final takes on it. So, uh, yeah, I want to go through the ones that I personally feel uh, the more, like, the most likely I would like to leave at the end. So the next one would be that he ran off to start a new life or, like, just a runaway. So for me personally... I just don't have um, the the sense here uh, that he ran away to start a new life. Um, a lot of things are out of whack for me, like him leaving the 100 pounds at his home, him being super close with his sister, uh, him seeming pretty normal and rational and um, really, from what we're gathering, not showing any... Um, emotional distress well other than you know him wearing slipknot t-shirts that's definitely probably out of the ordinary but still i just don't have the also not taking the charger for me personally i just don't necessarily see him waking up that morning with the intention of that's it i'm running away forever you know what i mean what are your thoughts man yeah i mean that that doesn't make sense to me and that just like for the reasons we said he didn't i think his mom said he didn't even bring a sweater yeah i mean come on like he didn't bring any clothes he put his clothes in the wash he didn't even bring all his money like like what who leaves 100 100 pounds is a lot of money yeah especially if, if and it's like one third of your net worth so it's like yeah so it's like, what are you doing, man? Okay, so only two theories. Well, there is another theory that maybe uh, his disappearance is somehow linked to the disappearance of Alex Slowly, who was also a math whiz, and he was 16, and he disappeared apparently, um, let's see here, uh, uh, yeah, just two days before yeah so basically this other uh, kid alex slowly he was a math with with he disappeared from london i think within the same year or like uh within the next 12 months I'm, I'm i think it was eight months but i might be uh, mistaken after uh, andrew disappeared and apparently there's not that much information of how they could link just that they both were good at math they both were teenagers and they disappeared from london so and some like uh english london detective um, 
person like uh, established this theory and i think it's really just like really weak circumstantial evidence so i just want to skip past that one because there's nothing linking that uh, that theory but i want to go through the two probably more likely theories in my opinion so I don't, I don't know which one is the more likely here for me personally, but I just want to, I'll just start off with uh, him going to London and an accident happening, but not necessarily an accident where, like, it could be any accident. Him drowning, unfortunately, somewhere, uh, getting lost, or maybe running into muggers who, like, see a young kid with a PSP, and a PSP was a valuable thing back in the day. So, him getting killed over the PSP, uh, things like that, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and then I have one other theory, I, I think you know what I'm talking about for the last theory that I want to put out here, but before we jump to that one, um, that really dark theory that I have. What What is your thought about some sort of an accident happening to Andrew in London? Hence, like, uh, I don't know, uh, a, a, a drowning, getting lost, getting mugged, you know, type of a situation. What are your thoughts, man? Yeah, and that was interesting because, you know, once again, at least in this case, they thought about that. So, you know, I, I've mentioned this a bunch of times and, and I was kind of interested to hear it come up in uh, the interview with his father was that they were like, well, yeah, what if he fell in the, the friggin' Thames River and drowned? So they actually at some point dragged the river and they didn't find his body, but they found someone else's body and that body had concrete shoes. So, Whoa. yeah, it was like, oh, I, I never, it was so interesting because I, I always heard that the concrete shoes thing was kind of like a, like not real, like, but I mean, apparently, when they give it to you, like you're dead already. So it's just to make your body yeah. sink to the bottom. And, and really, like, what if you're. you're I always thought that wouldn't work because your legs could rot away, then the body would come back to the top. But apparently, that wasn't true. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it is. I think that, that's, that's one of the things I always think of is like, if there's an accident, well, like, if you get hit by a car, I feel like there's like blood and drag marks and, you know, damage to the car. But. And it's in like a crowded city, right? It's the, the most urban city or one of the most crowded cities in that whole area. So only a waterway or the beach would have the ability to remove your body without you moving your body. Um, yeah. And then maybe maybe destroy that body. So, yeah, I, I kind of lean towards that. And I'll, I'll, I'll add on to that even, um, you, you know, like the possibility that like you said he ran into somebody i mean part of me wants to just discount that but then we have these weird disturbing disappearances like brian shaver michael negree asha degree where you're like well, where's where's the person like the person i mean like like michael negree or brian shaver yeah i mean th literally no one saw th they were in a building they were in a building and then they weren't and yeah. nobody, nobody, you know what I mean? In the middle of a city surrounded by cameras, cameras yeah. and they're gone. Or Asha Degree takes a walk for, you know, half a mile down the road and she's gone. Wow. Yeah. Like what's going on? So like, like that, that part does make me think yeah. like as much as I want to be skeptical. Yeah. I, 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 it, and it seems like anything's possible. Yeah. I mean, also, you know, we have cases like Timothy Pidzen, uh, like uh, Chiron Hormone where, you know, we, 
deep down we know what happened you know what i mean but in but these cases that you've just mentioned like we don't know what happened uh now this is the really dark one uh the theory that you know unfortunately um and you know i have like some sort of a strange feeling that maybe this could have been the case as bad as it sounds that maybe he went there to london to commit suicide and you know this is the last one that we have and uh, why i think that could be the case is um well him uh, his actions throughout the day for me personally seemed like he was unsure of what he's gonna do for the next day like do i want to go do i want that 50 pence ticket back home nah I'll, if i don't you know end up committing suicide in london i'll just buy a ticket back um him leaving early in the morning and then going to the atm maybe he just you know sure i'll take the 200 pounds and what the heck you know what i mean uh him going to the uh back home uh, getting the psp but not taking the charger he's like uh, whatever, you know what I mean, uh, I don't need to take the charger, maybe he wasn't taking the charger with him all the time, so it was like, I'll just grab the PSP, uh, and maybe he went to London, but he didn't necessarily knew what he was gonna do in London, like, he didn't knew if he's gonna actually, you know, commit suicide, or or not, he he, he, he just was like, I need to break the routine because the routine is killing me because he was like doing the routine really well so maybe he was like i can't do this anymore i just need to get away i just need to go to london i just need to do something crazy um i don't know if i'm gonna kill myself i don't know what i'm gonna do but he goes there and he you know does end up killing himself so yeah what are your thoughts man I mean, it it fits from one point of view, definitely. Like the the that for someone that seems so prepared and with all the steps in place and able to carry it out, and like only exactly bringing what he would have needed for a short trip, and not one cent more, literally. Yeah. So not one little, not no sweater, no charger like like no return ticket but then i gotta ask well two th a couple things one is why did he put the uniform in the wash so that's strange to me like maybe just habit yeah i, th I think i think habit dude i, I feel like I, I would not just maybe look at it as as you're looking at like him like trying to return to to a like clean uniform I, I would probably say you know habit just as well as not taking the charger habit you know like like like, like the same reason why i didn't like take a crap on the floor or something i guess yeah I so yeah, yeah maybe yeah. that just like you don't you don't do that um okay and then i guess the other question is well why i i, I kind of like your explanation that he was still kind of working it out and Maybe he wanted to see if he could, you know, spend his money a little bit or experience something before he made that final decision. Um, maybe to put some distance between himself and where his family was so that he wouldn't sort of like make his hometown the, 
the you know gruesome scene of his own death uh, or suicide. But then, how does he? How does he make his body disappear? Yeah, that's that's what we have to talk about. Like how and how does does his body not is not located at this point, and how would he even you know uh, commit the the act you know what i mean like what do you think is the because what i've seen being put forward is the a lot of people are focusing on him jumping off of a a structure either a bridge or maybe a tall building but i would you know i would think that the committing such an act would probably end up with your remains being located Located, most likely. Yeah, I mean, like the California. Well, by the way, it happens all the time. Like it's interesting. People don't realize that suicides happen um, almost twice as much as murders. So every day, there's lots of suicides that happen that are not reported. Um, so, like even here in a city like this, people jump off of buildings. They jump off of parking structures. You just don't hear about it because it's not considered in good taste usually to cover it. Um, and here in California, the Golden Gate Bridge, oh yeah, it happens a lot. It happens like every, at least a couple times a week. They've put up, unfortunately, they put up fences and nets and yeah. stuff, which I yeah. think is yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah it's, it's another topic. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it happens. It happens a lot. So that I, I was I always think that the Golden Gate Bridge is a good example of some place where I feel like you could jump in. And then your body could get swept out to sea because it's like a pretty robust yeah. set of currents there. But then I don't know how that works for like the Thames and the bridges that go over that and whether it would even be that easy to get rid of your body reliably and not have it wash up on the the, the sides or, you know, just be someplace where a lot of people in boats could see it. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, since we're, I think we'll be wrapping up shortly. Uh, this once again has been a really long episode. Um, anyways, uh, so just to sum it up, right? For me personally, this is a complete mystery. And um, you know, as we always usually leave our final like ideas on what happened. So before uh, you tell your final, I guess, idea or whatever, uh, my like quick thought about this, uh, you know, situation is that. I do see, I don't see him maybe meeting someone. I don't know. I just don't see that to be the case. I see it to be more of a spur in the moment action where he's maybe really wanting to change uh, something in his routine. But I could be completely wrong here. A, A big... A, a really big um, disclaimer i could be completely wrong here uh, i i wouldn't put it past him actually meeting someone maybe he liked his lifestyle you know what i mean he was a really smart kid apparently he had some friends and he was you know uh, I, th- I think his life wasn't like at least uh, physically or, or or like physically really difficult maybe emotionally for him for some reason but Physically, we I, like um, there there didn't seem to be a lot of hardships in his life, so I don't know. I, I don't. I I feel like this was a spur in the moment situation, but 
I'm not gonna put it completely past it that maybe he was going to meet someone. You know what I mean? Or maybe it was the band that he was going to see and something bad happened. I'm not gonna put it past that. But for me personally, just the fact that he was such a smart kid and his actions, even though they were planned to some extent, but they weren't super well planned, if you know what I mean. Because uh, what worked for him, let's remember, is the fact that the school messed up and didn't inform the family. So it's, it, it wasn't like this uh, super great plan, you know what I mean? To meet someone in secrecy, because the only way how, you know, this worked out for him and he was not noticed to be missing up until the evening of the 14th is because the f school messed up. If the school hadn't messed up, then there's a good chance he would have been stopped in his tracks potentially um but you know that did not happen so and i also get the sense that maybe you know he is not the type of person to just run away forever uh, i think unfortunately i believe he's already you know not alive anymore as sad as it uh, may sound but yeah that that's just my thoughts that this was not super well planned because the school messing up worked in his favor and i think he didn't know what he was doing in london he was just like i need to go to london for one reason or another you know what i mean yeah i mean it's i guess just for my take on the whole thing i mean to me, this is, if it wasn't a suicide, a planned suicide, then it, it had some similar elements in that it was, there were some elements of selfishness to this and maybe not thinking about what the effects were on his family. And it, I, I can't help but wonder, given, you know, just kind of the brief insights we have into his life, it seems like he didn't have a lot of, um, like on one hand, he had all this potential and he was exposed to kind of all this academic enrichment and maybe some degree of cultural enrichment and family life. But then his, his daily life is, it's a weird kind of grind. You know what I mean? Like it's very one dimensional. It doesn't even sound like he was, he was really into that much stuff. Like he's into like his, you know, death metal or whatever. And he's into his PSP and it's sort of like not super imaginative. And I could imagine somebody maybe getting a weird form of depression from just the routine because things are too easy. And I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if he planned his, his own, his own death. I don't, it, it's, I mean, when I, when I look at him now, at first I was thought he was looking for somebody, but maybe he's just looking like looking around with wonder at the world around him. And I wish, I don't know. I wish he would have, taking a little more care with these actions because yeah i mean all of us have at any point in time and maybe this is like an appeal to the audience because there's always like points where you feel like you know you're at the end of your rope or you don't have choices we all have a lot of choices and even when you have expectations and people that are relying on you you still have more freedom than you think and you still can i think exercise that freedom and you know, still still retain a lot of the relationships and things in your life that you might, 
you might you might not think would be there otherwise. So, you know, that's I guess that's a way of saying that, like, sometimes people think like, well, if I go do this or I go do that, all these other things aren't going to happen or people are going to hate me or whatever. But it's not necessarily true. Um, you know, we have a lot more choices. And, you know, once again, I, I, once again, it's, it just seems like such a shame that not only is this somebody promising who disappeared, but I mean, from what we can see, it was his fault. Now, I don't mean that that's entirely his fault or that he wanted this to happen, but it clearly was because of his actions that whatever happened was set in motion. And, you know, something else happened to him afterwards. It doesn't mean, you know, if someone did, like, take advantage of him, that doesn't mean it's his, you know, like, like, like he deserved that, but he had some hand in, you know, setting it in motion. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, he did, you know, go on this trip. But I, I will say I feel kind of uh, really sorry for him uh, also for him having the need to go to this trip if this was like a sort of i just need to get out of the routine type of a situation so i mean hopes up for andrew maybe he will turn up uh wouldn't necessarily think that's a high probability given all the time and i think the parents also sort of started to lean towards maybe him being uh you know not alive anymore so yeah guys this has been another episode of the solvable mysteries podcast once again another longer episode we tried to keep them more tame but uh well at least we did better than last time uh so yeah guys thank you so much for joining us this week um as always uh leave a like uh leave a subscribe leave your theory on what happened to andrew Gotham. like uh, i'm really curious this time because on most of these cases we you know are all leaning towards a certain angle but here there are so many angles i want to know your guys's take on the case uh leave a rating on the podcast tabs if you're listening to this on the podcast tabs that means so much to us and as always guys we'll uh, catch you next time and for now you know stay safe and peace out